The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. Now, I love verse 8 because it tells us the attitude we live with when it's one of generosity, what happens in return. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. Down to verse 10, this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God. This morning, I pray that your heart is challenged, and you will remember how we set this series up last week, that we're really not talking about money. We're talking about the heart. For we know the Scripture tells us the issues of life flow from the heart. Where the heart is, there's where your treasure is at also. We understand those concepts. And we understand that as believers in the 21st century... We have got to be believers who are filled with compassion, grace, and mercy. So when I talk about the grace of giving, I'm really not talking about what's in your bank account or in your stock portfolio. I'm talking about what's in your heart. For from your heart, you will find all types of release and ability to let God move in and through you. Often when we talk about giving, people think we're just talking about accumulation or finances. Nothing further from the truth. We need to understand God has a very different economy than what we see in culture. Culture tells you work hard. Culture tells you save. Culture tells you make wise investments. And God's economy doesn't disregard any of that. It goes far beyond that. And that's what we need to understand. In God's economy, if we are to be a blessed people, a generous people, we have to understand the first concept is we have to give ourselves away. That's the key, is being willing to give ourselves away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when we read the passage, it defines this type of living. And it makes it very, very clear that our faith grows when we begin to give ourselves away and invest in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to share some principles with you very quickly this morning that could very well revolutionize your thinking. Not really deep stuff, but practical stuff that's been around for years and years and years. And I'm going to tell you right now, If you don't want to be called to a higher level of accountability, you might want to leave right now. Because this message is going to call us to a higher level of accountability. We need to understand the first principle of being generous people. Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 10 verse 9 when he said these words, if we, excuse me, let me say it this way. He who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. He's talking about giving ourselves away, investing in something greater than ourselves. This morning, I'm glad that Zach and his crew is here today to help us launch the heart gallery out on Main Street. And it's not about dollars and cents. It's about giving our heart away. It's about recognizing there are 22 children in our area who are in the foster care system that are eligible for adoption, but haven't had anyone step up. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody here adopts a child, but I'm suggesting that someone might. As you give your heart away and allow God to speak in you and through you, as you lose your life, to gain it and to find what he has for you. So this principle of giving to gain is not a new one. 
Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, it says these words. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Someone says, oh, that's Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. Okay. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall be given into your bosom. And with the same measure you use, it will be given back to you. So we understand this thing of generosity is about knowing that God has already promised to put us on a pathway of blessing when we choose to do what he asks us to do. When we choose to invest with God, whether it's grace, whether it's mercy, whether it's love and compassion, or whether it's finances. When we choose to invest with God in God's economy, God then gives back to us. It's a principle that has endured for generations and it continues to work today. Many people are tired or are afraid of talking about generosity because they think we're just trying to raise funds. That's not the case. I'm trying to raise your faith level. I'm trying to raise your level of accountability to the Word of God and to the Father and for what He wants you to do in your life on a regular, daily basis. Remember 2 Corinthians 9, 6? I read it from the message. The New King James says it this way, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The principle is if you just sow a little, you're just going to reap a little. It's absolutely a true principle. It's been there for years. The harvest is directly proportional to the seed that you invest in the harvest. Now that's an axiom. An axiom is simply something that is so obviously true, it doesn't need explanation or verification. All of us know that the more seed you put in the ground, the greater harvest you're going to get. That's an axiom from the scriptures that tells us it's absolutely correct. The question isn't whether or not these things work. The question is, do we believe it? Do we believe the promise of God? Do we believe that God will do what he said he will do? Or do we deny it by our inactivity? So when we look at that, we understand God is saying that by giving things away, we actually have more than enough because he replenishes. He pours it into our lives. Christians are never impoverished because of lack of generosity. Christians are impoverished because of, or Christians are blessed when we choose to give into the blessing of God. The size of the harvest is always proportional to the amount of seed sown. The one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. A wise farmer says, give me the biggest field you can find and let me sow it with seed. Because I know when I sow that large field, it's going to bring me a large harvest. So I'm asking you today to open your heart and let God sow into you love and grace and mercy and kindness and compassion. Let him move you to places you have never been in your daily walk, in your relationships with those around you. Let him take you to a higher level and a higher elevation where you can see great things that he does in you and through you. It's a truth. When we hold back because of fear. When we hold back because of fear, then we forfeit any gain. We need to understand that. There is absolutely no fear when we're serving God. There's no fear in being generous with God and the things of God. Matter of fact, when you look at that verse, uh, chapter 6, and the word bountiful, from 2 Corinthians 9, 6, that word bountiful is translated from the Greek eulogia, where we get the word eulogy or blessing. 
And we understand in that passage that the one who sows with an eye toward blessing always reaps blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. I want to live in that place of blessing. A few weeks ago, Zach and I sat down over lunch and he said, would you consider putting a picture up in your foyer uh, about some, one of our kids that need to be adopted from a heart gallery? And as we talked, I said, why just one? Let's bring them all. And when you go out on Main Street today, you're going to see the heart gallery out there. There are six photos of children who are eligible for adoption and they need families. We're going to ask you to pray for them. We're going to ask you to pray for these individuals who are working with them. We're going to ask you that God would bring a family for each one of those and the remainder who also are eligible for adoption. Because when we sow in tears, we reap in joy is what the Bible tells us. We understand that when we hold back fearing loss, we forfeit any gain that we might have. Psalm 126 says it this way in verses 5 and 6. They who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When you hear those scriptures today and you understand God is calling us to a life of generosity, it takes us to another level. And again, it takes us to a place where we put ourselves out there, where we're willing to risk in order to let God move in us and through us. This isn't just about money, folks. It's about the way we live our everyday lives. It's about interactions and our relationships with those around us. It's about allowing the grace and the mercy and the love of the Father to flow through our lives in such a way that our culture is touched and changed. You and I both know the only answer to the needs in our society comes from the Father. It only comes through God. The answer is not in Washington. The answer is not in the Capitol. The answer is in Jesus Christ. And we show that answer by displaying the love of God every day in every relationship. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Sahel of Africa. It's a topographical region that lies below the Sahara Desert, and it kind of makes a boundary or a border, a transition area between the Sahara on the north and the Sudan and the Savannas on the south. And in that area, it's a very arid, dry part of the country. And in the Sahel, you find places like Chad and southern Sudan and Burkina Faso. You'll find those areas spread across that central portion of Africa. And in the Sahel, it rains four months out of the year. May, June, July, and August, the rains come. And so in those four months, everything that is grown has to be grown and harvested. Because the other eight months of the year, not a drop of rain. The other eight months of the year, it's dry and it's hot and the wind blows and those African winds pick up the dust off the ground and shoot it thousands of feet into the air and then that dust settles over the entire region and gets in your nose, it gets in your mouth. If you're wearing a watch, it's going to stop your watch. The dust is that fine and invasive. Your hands crack because it's so dry. Your feet crack because it is so dry. But from April or from March, April and May, Excuse me, May, June, July, and August, the rains begin to come. And when the rains come, then they plant the crops and look forward to the harvest. So if you have ever been to the Sea Hill, you'll notice that October and November are great months because the granaries are full, families are happy, their bellies are full. They either grow sorghum or milo, one or the other. And then they take that grain and they grind it between two stones and make kind of a mush, almost like yesterday's cream of wheat. They roll it into a ball, dip it in some sauce, and they eat that. Sets very heavy on the stomach, and they sleep well at night. 
So October and November are days of great rejoicing. That's when the parties are happening in the village. That's when there's laughter and that's when there's singing because everybody is full and everybody is happy. But by January, most families in the Sahil have cut back to one meal a day because the granaries are beginning to diminish. And by March, you begin to hear the babies crying at night. The little kids are getting sick because they're all running out of grain and they're running out of food and they've been reduced to just a half a meal a day. April is a month you don't want to go to the Sahil because it will haunt you forever if you have ever been there. April is the month that you hear the babies crying at twilight. April is the month where daily you see funeral processions taking little kids in the age to the cemetery because they died of starvation. It's a month that will absolutely haunt you when you hear those cries in the night. And invariably in the month of April, there will be a little five or six-year-old boy who will come running into the hut and say, Papa, Papa, we have grain. We have grain. Go get Mama. Tell her to get the grain and grind it so that we can eat tonight and our bellies will sleep well. And the daddy looks at that little five or six-year-old boy and he says, Son, where did you find grain? We don't have any grain. He says, Yes, we do, Daddy. It's out in the goat shed. It's tied way up high from the roof. Daddy, I crawled up there and I stuck my hand in the bag. And, Daddy, there's grain in that bag. The dad looks at him as the tears begin to run down his cheek. And he says, son, we can't eat that grain. That's our seed. And if we eat that grain today, we're going to starve tomorrow. We can't eat that grain. And so for another night, he takes a little boy who's hungry and starving and puts him to bed with just a little bit of gruel to eat. And then May comes. The rains begin to fall. And when the rains begin to fall, then that daddy goes back out to that goat shed. And he takes that grain down from the roof. And he opens it up. And the Bible says, they who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he opens that seed sack and begins walking out to his little field. And as he's scattering that grain, as he's throwing it out, believing that at some point... There'll be a harvest. The tears are running down his cheeks, but he's doing it because he knows this is what saves his family. This is their future. This is what stands between them and starvation. And so with tears, he continues to scatter that seed. With tears, he continues to believe that there's power in that seed. That if he goes forth, Sowing in tears that he will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing that harvest with him. And sure enough, as the rains fall, the grain begins to grow. Sure enough, as the rains fall, the crops begin to mature. And then in September and October, they begin to harvest and once again there's food in the villages. You see, that father does that because he understands the power of the seed. He understands the power of the seed. See, he understands the seed is his. And yes, he could take it down and he could feed it to those children. And they could have another few meals, but they would starve the next year. He understands the power that's in the seed. The power is when you scatter it. The power is when you sow it. The power is when the seed falls into the ground and we walk on it. We stomp on it. The rain pushes it down. The power is in the seed because the seed does what the seed is supposed to do. And what the seed is supposed to do is bring a harvest. 
You see, friend, we need to recognize today that we have seed. Every one of us. Every one of us have seed in our lives. And it's seed that will bring a future to those around us. It's seed that can alter someone's destiny if we will simply reach in our sack and sow it. If we'll simply believe that there is something bigger than ourselves. And if we understand the power that's in the seed. I don't know about you, but I never want to be guilty of hoarding the seed. I never want to be guilty of storing it up, storing it up and never sowing it back into the field. See, the only way we change our culture is by taking the seed that God has placed in our lives and sowing it. So let me ask you this morning, what are you going to do with the seed that God has given you? Tom, would you please return? What are you going to do with the seed that God has already invested in you? I know I made a mess this morning and I don't care. It sweeps up. It's not a big deal. The big deal is what are you going to do with the seed? What are you going to do with the seed? Because you see, God has already given you the seed, grace and mercy and love and compassion. He's already given you the ability to touch someone and change their destiny. What are you going to do with the seed? What are you going to do with the seed? You know, $20 may not be much to you, but it's seed for someone else. $1,000 may not be much to you, but it's seed for someone else. You know, the first 20 years of my pastoral ministry... I spent a lot of time in foreign missions. We built 31 buildings, churches, Bible schools, orphanages across Latin America. Raised the money, took the teams, did the construction. We built radio stations and orphanages and Bible schools and all over Africa. We moved in Asia and we built orphanages. One there now that houses 250 orphans in Bangladesh. I spent countless hours in those places, countless days, weeks, and months in those places. When you come to Tallahassee, I'm thinking we're going to do the same thing. And the Lord said, no, you're not. Because I'm calling you here to reach your Jerusalem. I'm calling you here to reach Tallahassee. So we began looking for people that we could partner with and sow the seed together. Glenn and Beth, would you stand? Glenn and Beth Birds are here. They're a part of a church. They run Good Samaritan Network in the Chelsea House. They minister to people that you and I will never touch. But because we chose to partner with them to sow seed together every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the homeless are being fed and housed. Women in distress are being cared for and rescued and given hope. Children are being touched by the blessing of God. Oh, hear me, church. You need to find someone to put your hand with them and sow the seed together to reach this community I'm thankful for the Woodlands and Larry Scombe I don't think Larry's here this morning and how they're affecting the lives of men who are bound by addictions and seeing them set free men who are bound for jail are now liberated by the grace of Jesus Christ through this ministry through this program I'm thankful for the Fice Center and Ryan Sprague and their intervention with young couples and single ladies who have a pregnancy and they don't know what to do with it and they're giving them an alternative to abortion I'm thankful for the Fice Center thankful for the Women's Pregnancy Center that's one of our partners as well. I'm thankful for Teen Challenge that's taking men from across the nation and letting them see their lives transformed by the grace and the mercy of God. And this morning I'm thankful for Zach Gibson. I'm thankful that about a year ago God caused our paths to cross and he became one of my partners. He's a man that loves the Lord and he wants to see God do things in the hearts of children. 
So I'm thankful you're here this morning, Zach, and I'm thankful that we're going to sow some seed together this morning. We're going to reap a harvest in the lives of children. So my question to you this morning is what are you going to do with your seed? You see that farmer in Africa? He could have held on to it because the seed belonged to him. That seed belonged to him. He could have stored it up. He could have said, it's mine. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to sow it. But because his vision was greater than today, because he knew that he had to provide for his family tomorrow, he took the seed and did the unthinkable. He gave it away. He threw it in the dirt. He was not assured of a harvest, but he believed there was enough power in that seed that when the rains fell and when the sun began to shine, that seed was going to sprout and grow. Oh, somebody in this place needs to hear this. You say, I've been sowing for years, but I've never seen the harvest. I'm here to tell you today, the harvest is on the way because the seed has the power to change lives. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit now, but keep sowing. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Believing there's power in the seed. See, your responsibility of the sower is simply to let the seed do what the seed does. You can't make it grow. You can't make it produce. All you can do is sow it. All you can do is dispense it. All you can do is say, Father, give me a great big field because I want a great big harvest. And let me sow the seed and see the result when you honor your word in and over my life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed as we sow the seed this morning. Father, in this room today, speak to hearts and speak to lives. Let them sense and know and understand your word is still true still powerful speak to individuals in this room today if you're here this morning and you have never believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior I'm not going to ask you to stand I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand I'm simply going to ask you to pray a prayer with me and everyone across this room pray this prayer with me and if you pray it for the first time or the 5,000th time it really doesn't matter when you pray it in faith towards the Father The Son is going to come into your life, and Jesus is going to touch you and help you. So across this room, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Transform me. Make me the son or daughter of God that you've destined me to be. Let your word take root in my heart and bring an eternal harvest. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me today. In Jesus' name. Ushers, would you come this morning, please? If you prayed that prayer for the first time, then I invite you to find me out on Main Street and let me know that you prayed that prayer and that God is doing something in you and through you today. Right now, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. I want to ask you to sow some seed. One of the ways you can sow seed this morning that you've probably never heard of or considered is that the pictures out on the wall in the Hart Gallery cost about $100 a piece to produce. And if you would like to see 22 kids on that wall out there, help us just a little bit, would you do Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. 
Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.